Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what I was just thinking as we were talking? You are oh, not jet-lagged from <laughs> what I can understand. I'm so confused right now. Why are you not jet-lagged? <laughs> I mean, I think I did a pretty good job of timing my flights to like land when it like I could stay awake for the proper amount of time once I got to where I was going and then crash. But I will tell you, like the last four or five nights when I get tired, I'm fucking tired. Like you got to go. Yeah. There's no like, hey, I'm just going to like lay in bed and play on my phone. It's like I'm out. Yeah. I like wake up on the couch with my glasses still on and my phone in my hand. Like there's no like. (laughs) So you are a little bit jet lagged. Yeah. But I do feel like now I'm like finally back to normal. normal. Yeah. I was going to say, just talking to you just now, you seem very clear headed. You don't look tired. I just remember (laughs) being a total disaster when I did a similar flight time back from Bali. Like it just wrecked me for weeks. Yeah. It's wild, but yeah, I mean, somehow I've managed to do it. I I don't sleep a ton as it is. I don't get I don't get enough sleep as it is. So maybe my body's just used to being like, tired. This is the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is the month of November, and as we talked about last week, <laughs> amongst my majors, uh, getting almost getting scammed conversation. Uh, our topic this month is shedding. I will report back. I got a lot of messages from you guys saying you had been through similar scams and I'll report all of that. The last podcast of this month when we do our um, wrap up, but yeah, we decided we were going to make this topic this month shedding. And the reason I got to that was sort of looking around, watching the trees physically shed. And I just thought to myself at the end of each year, I am kind of doing an analysis of things that I want to let go of. And today we're talking about it on kind of a bigger picture scale. Like we always try to do our second week somewhat based on either pop culture or something's happening in our society, which can be a little bit tricky these days because everything is kind of crazy around here. But um, today we were going to talk about different areas that we have just noticed 
maybe the idea of shedding certain prejudices or certain ways that we just automatically think and we don't really know why, like doing the kind of analysis on that, because we do feel, it feels to me like we just operate sometimes without thinking about things. Did you want to tell us? It's it's sort of conditioning too. It's like, I mean, I grew up in a house where my parents had very specific views. Thankfully, I don't think like that, but my sister does in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and it's fine. Like everyone is entitled to their own opinion. And I'm not here to say that your opinion is wrong. What I'm here to say is that facts really matter. And a lot of times our opinions are based on not based on facts and I'm guilty of it. Like, and I, um, you know, at this time of year and with this topic in particular. And as I get older, I'm just like, I want to shed some of this stuff. I don't want to be, I I don't want to like think badly of people that don't deserve it. Like I gave Kelly an example. I was, I went to the bathroom and I saw somebody in our building that I'd never seen before. And I thought, Oh God, he's dressed like a douchebag. And I immediately checked myself and thought, why would you think that about somebody that you have no idea who they are? And then I thought about people that I know that dress the same way who aren't douchebags. And I was like, you should judge an individual by the the way that they treat you and the way that they act, not on how they dress, how they look, Mm -hmm. where they come from, any of those things. And it was like a moment of like real reflection where I was like, check yourself, motherfucker. Like I don't, and I know it comes from a place of insecurity too. Like within yourself. Yeah. I expect people to judge me when I walk into a room because it's the way my, my brain works, you know, like, so, you know, I need to free myself of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I didn't tell you this. Um, so Jedediah, who we haven't mentioned in a long time, I saw him last Chip, night and I've been Chip loves <sighs> Jedediah Jenkins is who we're talking uh, about. Chip is a major fan and he's an author. And so Chip went to his book release. His brand new book time. out tonight, uh, today and okay. today we're recording on the seventh. So the book is out now. Um, but I'd been rereading one of his books and there was this passage that really spoke to me and I wanted yeah. to read this. It's, it's from his book called, uh, like rivers to the ocean. And it's, okay. it's, uh, um, it's more like, it's, um, more journal esque. It's not like a, a story it's bite sized. Mm. And he says, I can't get this out of my head. When I bullshit someone, they don't care. I'm bullshitting myself. The lie lives on in me. When I pretend to be less or more, and this is kind of about him being gay, Mm. um, but I think it's a universal sort of topic. When I pretend to be less or more than my full identity, I I present a character to the world, one I must maintain and prune and reinvent and defend. I poison my authenticity uh, by the acrobatics of my personal propaganda, propping up the idiot dictator of my ego, spending my time imagining what other people are thinking instead of thinking for myself. The parts of me I hide are an implicit judgment. This part is bad. This part is not good enough. I am ashamed, and shame is a flesh-eating disease. I want coherence, and I want the through line to be visible. I don't want anyone to dig up a part of me and play gotcha. What a tense way to live. Love that. Isn't that great? Like mm-hmm. it just, you know, and it it it's not an exact comparison to the way that I was thinking in the bathroom when I saw that stranger. But I'm also like, why do I need to create that narrative for this person who's probably as nice as can be? You yeah. Know? yeah. And in and in doing so, maybe I'm robbing myself of the opportunity to have a great friend. You never you know. know. 
you never well, know. I think, so. and the, I think we're saying all this stuff. Oh, I just dropped a crystal I was holding. Sorry. <laughs> you Ooh, heard that big crap. I didn't hear it. <laughs> um, I think the reason I like to ask myself these questions is, you know, like I look at life as just a journey. It's like life school to me. And I feel like our souls come here and we really do want to learn each lesson and evolve and continue growing. And so this, it's this never ending process. Like I've definitely had moments in my life where I feel like, Oh, I don't want to do any more work. You know, like I don't want to look right. at myself. I don't want to introspect. I don't want to do any mm-hmm. of this stuff. But I, I think that that is constantly probably how life is happening. And so obviously if you're doing really intense work, take breaks, whatever you need and go through the process in a way that works for you. But these are the questions that I like to ask myself. And I know Chip, you have started to really like to ask yourself too. And so on a bigger picture, we've started looking at things culturally. And I think what I'm picking up on from society in general is a lot of people are starting to ask themselves these questions. Like, why do I believe what I believe? Why do I even believe politically what I believe? Why do I follow this? Why do I have this sort of narrative about this company or whatever? You know, like we maybe have not asked ourselves questions and we just were operating, like you said. And so the way the energy is hitting now seems to be like, huh, let me like dig a little deeper into that. Or instead of making a snap judgment, let me get more like what there has to be more to this story. And that was what we kind of wanted to touch on today because I read the Britney Spears book Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you watched a documentary that you felt really kind of spoke to this topic of shedding the narratives and the mentalities that you've had and adopting a new way of thinking. So do you want to start or do you want me to start with Brittany? Um, well, I mean, Brittany feels a little bit more fun. So why don't we start okay. with her? Well, I mean, I think it's like, let's all be real. Poor Brit Brit has been through it the last couple of years. She has, poor thing. Like, I want to I go mean, back. Really her whole life. Well, truly. And if you read the book, you'll know that even more. But I want to go back and say, I was like number one Britney fan. Like, when I'm a Slave for You days came out, I, before this, I was a fan. But then I'm a Slave for You came out, and I was like number one psycho fan. Like, I loved Britney mm-hmm. in the same way that I love Beyonce, you know, all of those things. And so, to watch her have this public spiral, for instance, like, I guess that's what you would call it, um, has been so sad to me because, you know, I just craved the old Britney and I just loved the old Britney so much. And so, and it just was sad in general because you're like, obviously that person is hurting, but one of the narratives, like I had that mentality, but one of the narratives that I think a lot of people have is this bitch is just crazy and Mm -hmm. there's no questions asked. There's no empathy involved. And that seems to be the way that our culture operates around celebrity and pop culture a lot. Like I'll go back to reference the Will Smith, Chris Rock argument. You know, that was a huge podcast that we did about kind of, we kind of disagreed for a second because I felt so much empathy for Will Smith. And I know a lot of people thought that I was crazy for that, but to me, it was a directly like related trauma response. Like I was watching it happen live. It was crazy and not to condone at all that, you know, slapping publicly specifically on a major stage is a good thing to do. But I just was like, there's just more to the story. And I wanted to know the more. And I have always felt that way about Britney too. And you've gotten stories from her mom, her sister, you know, her dad does interviews and all this stuff. And she's been fucking locked down 
for over 13 mm-hmm. years. And so none of us are really actually getting the real Britney narrative. And then <laughs> she starts doing all these Instagrams, right? That are just, they don't seem like she's all there. Like there's definitely, if you're watching, you're kind of having that, what am I watching? It's a train a wreck. So I keep factor, watching. There's yeah. a major cringe factor. She seems like she's maybe on something. Like it just feels off. So anyway, I read the book. Well, I actually listened to the audiobook, and I was really kind of weirded out that they picked Michelle Williams at first. Yeah, I don't and, know why she would do it, but well, I do now. But she also she does like a Britney voice. So you start to feel like you're listening to Britney. Like Britney said she couldn't read it herself because it was a traumatic experience, which once you start hearing the stories makes total sense. Like basically, I feel like Britney has been in abusive relationships her entire life. And over time, to me, I'm just like, that has its impact on anyone. Like hers were a very extreme examples, but she even talks about the abuse in their household growing up and like her dad's alcoholism. And it's just so fucking wild to me that as a society, no one talks about the impacts of that. Like, it's just like, so she's supposed to have gone through all of this stuff, getting famous really young, being run through the press at a crazy rate, at a crazy young age, and then being annihilated by them. You know, like her story also, it was like people wanted to focus on the bad or make the bad true or whatever they wanted. No one seemed to be like pulling for her in the press. It was like they wanted the disaster. And just it as a person who clicks and well, sells right. more papers. And as a person who's had just the tiniest, teeny, tiny, tiniest bit of that, the way that that impacted me, I mean, you saw me, Chip. I had like a full-blown fucking mental melt- meltdown about the amount that I went through. So I mm-hmm. cannot imagine being Britney Spears at that level and then my whole life being taken away and being but an at adult. At some point, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, too. It's like... You know, well, it probably right. would drive somebody to do drugs and drink or, you know, well, the do thing is, more is, of them if you're not already, she, you know, not doing it. She really talks about that a lot in the book. And like, I actually believe this. I, I, I don't know if other people do or not, but she's like, I did Adderall and I would drink, but she said, I didn't even really drink that much. She's always been on Prozac since she was in, I think I want to say when she was like younger, like high school-ish, probably when she started getting famous, but that everyone acts like that's crazy. They put you on fucking Prozac for any sort of anxiety that you talk about. And so if that was her doctors, you know, wanted her to do that instead of like digging deep into the trauma of growing up in an alcoholic household, it probably just compounds over time. But like, we can't expect our nervous systems to take all this stuff in and not do a deep dive into like the whys or whatever and healing our nervous systems and not have a crazy reaction. Like I would have shaved my head too. listening to the stories of what was going on. I would have shaved it immediately. I would have acted out probably in all the ways she was just so pissed off and young. Like we forget how fucking young she was. Um, and so also, was, she hadn't really had a chance to live a normal life in, in any shape or fashion. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. 
Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Can you think about if paparazzi were following you around in your 20s? I would be... I would, I would be, be way worse than Britney is all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that shit was crazy. Like yeah. nobody has it together then. And you just, you get to go make mistakes. And I think we forget she was under such lock and key. Like she couldn't make mistakes. Everyone was watching every single mistake she made, every single reaction she made. She didn't have the freedom to go get too drunk accidentally, you know, like how many times in my 20s did I drink too much and act like an idiot? I don't even, I can't even count. Like it's yeah, just- more times than not. <laughs> right. And like when you listen to the book, which I really believe, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people are, or some people don't, but it really doesn't sound like she was that big of a partier. It's just like every now and again, she would go exploring things. Um, and then she talks about the Instagram and she's, part of it was, just her way to finally start reconnecting with fans because she was still in the conservatorship, 
had no way to like speak out. Even people like Andy Cohen, who have interviewed her during that time said she had like major security with her at all times. Like this woman that was like watching the interview, basically monitoring everything that was asked of her or said or anything like she was monitored so heavily that she couldn't even have her own cell phone, you know? So it's like these Instagram videos that she starts putting up were kind of her way. Like she said, she got some wind that people were finally starting to be like free Britney. And it was her way to try to connect with her fans again. So that someone was like, wait, is she okay or not? Like, cause she was like, I wasn't okay. But no, she's like, no one was in my corner. Like in my world, my family even turned on me. No one's in my corner. And the only like escape she has is to go put up crazy videos on Insta. And now it's like, she's just like, fuck it. I'm doing whatever I want today. I don't know, whatever. I think that there's probably at this point, some sort of mental health stuff going on, like, but it's all directly related to trauma. And I I feel like she even mentions this in the book. She regresses to a child a lot and Mm -hmm. she is aware of it enough to talk about it in the book. But I think that that's what we observe on Instagram is like, she got robbed of her childhood. And I think when we go through a lot of traumatic stuff, and I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know the terminology for this, but that is a thing. Like, I'm pretty sure schizophrenia, that's a part of it is like, it comes on based on trauma. Don't quote me on this. I'm sorry. I'm not a doctor. This is just my understanding. There's let's, let's not even go that specific, but a lot of mental health stuff disorders come on later in life. If you've gone through trauma after trauma, after trauma, and you regress into childhood. So I just don't, I don't know. I just, I just don't know anyone who could have gone through what Britney Spears experienced in life and not had some sort of crazy reaction or eventually die, you know? So the fact that she's still standing, even if she appears to be a little crazy to me is like, I don't know. I got to shed that judgment because I wasn't in that position listening to the stories. I just felt such massive empathy for her and sympathy and compassion and like understanding of what would have happened to me had I gone through anything, even a part of what she went through. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And I like, look, I look at, um, you know, her Instagram too. And it's, that was my initial, I had to stop following her for a while because a lot of people say that I was just like, Oh God, it was just like a train wreck. Yeah. But then I think back and she was like, what, 38, 39, maybe even 40 when she started posting them. And she's, it's like, could you imagine any other normal 40 year old trying to figure out Instagram, like, and try to do it right? Like, Part of it is that she just doesn't get it. You know, like actually, she's not probably think she's also right. still so isolated too that like she's not like having her friends be like, yo, that's not cool. Or like seeing what her like she's making <laughs> right. up in this totally isolated place. Bubble, and I feel like yeah. It's almost like not nerdy, but do you know what I'm saying? Like it's like she has no reference of reality. She's been fucking Britney Spears, like the Britney Spears that we know since she was 17. Right. How does she yeah. know what's like? So it's not like she hung out in the popular crowd. You know what I mean? <laughs> she was like locked up by her own family, basically. Yeah. And she, I mean, I'm looking at her Instagram right now. She only follows 49 people. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. even, even that world for her is a very limited view of the world, you know, like. Right. 
she's only seeing like a few examples of how to do this. And, and I guarantee, I guarantee none of you, them have as many eyeballs on them as her. So well, I mean, some of them are like Madonna and Katy Perry, but they also oh. have team. They also have teams around them that are like taking care of that shit for them. This is Brittany doing it in her house by herself. Yeah. You know, like, of course, it's going to look like, yeah, it's going to look like a crazy person's doing it and not calling her crazy. Like, she's just an old, she's a little older now, Mm -hmm. and she's probably not as astute when it comes to technology, you know, Mm -hmm. like, that's part of it, I think, you know, at least that's the shedding part that I'm going to allow myself to believe because, um, you know, I don't think she's just crazy. She would have never been this successful if she were just crazy. Well, that's what she talks about a lot in the book is that she's like, it was so bizarre to have my kids being taken away from me, my money being monitored by my father, who was saying to me verbatim, I'm Britney Spears now. Um, Like, that's so threatening to say that, you know, but she's got all that stuff. She can barely leave her house. She's got sent to rehab multiple times. And she was like, I was taking energy pills. So I don't even, she was like, I I literally like was taking over the counter energy pills. And my dad kept sending, her dad kept sending her to rehab basically. And, um, she goes, but amongst all of those things, I was making my most successful album yet. And it's just like the fact that they acted like I was not able to function as an adult or, you know, in my own world to control my money yet they're put, they're making her a workhorse. Like she wasn't able to allow to like quit touring or any of that stuff. Cause they said they would sue her. So it's like, they basically just made her a workhorse and put her up there. And so she said also part of that, um, during the circus tour, if anyone saw that in her Vegas residency, I can't, I can't remember which was first. I think circus was first and then Vegas, but she said, she was like, I stopped putting all my energy into dancing the way I was. And I looked like a robot, but she was like, I, I didn't have it in me. I didn't want to do the tours. It was, that was like her way to rebel. And she goes, right. I realized it like came back on me, but in my, you know, teenager brain that wants to act out, that was like how I could act out because they were forcing me to do the show. So all I could do is like, not do it to the f- best of my ability. Like, think about that. Like, the mind fuck of that. I just, like, I just cannot process what that would be like to be making millions of dollars for all these people and told you cannot quit and you also cannot even go to the grocery store by yourself. And, I mean, not that she could anyway, but, like, you can't go. She says she tells a story about wanting to take her tour dancers out to dinner like the end of tour kind of thing. And so she takes mm-hmm. the dancers out to dinner. She was like, I wanted to buy it. It was a really, it's just like, it was a really expensive dinner, but I wanted to buy it for everyone as a thank you. And I went to go give them my credit card and it was declined. And it's like, obviously Britney Spears, she said it was like $3,000. Obviously Britney Spears has $3,000. Let's get right <laughs> there. Yeah. But like the conservatorship monitored her card and stuff so closely, like she couldn't do a purchase like that. So she was like, it was just the most, I couldn't even do positive things for the people that I wanted to do these things for. I don't know. I guess I'm saying all this to say, if you're watching Britney Spears Instagram, (laughs) before you make a judgment, go listen to the story. And I'm not saying again, that there's not mental health issues going on now, but I think for me, like looking at the why, it just gives you more empathy of like, well, I would have probably react like she's just fucking human. She's not a robot or some sort of thing that can like, 
absorb all this stuff and not have a reaction. Right. Um, you know, it's because she's famous, we put her on this like pedestal that she needs to totally. be perfect. And at the end of the day, Brittany may have ended up with the same, whatever she's dealing with, she may have ended up with the same exact conditions, if there are conditions, that she has, whether or not Maybe. this was the path to get there. You know, sure. like, um, and at the end of the day, she's a human being and she deserves some empathy, you know, mm-hmm. like she has given us a lot. She's given I us mean, a lot of great times, so, much. so many hits. And, um, you know, I make the pledge to Britney Spears and I'm not even like a huge Britney Spears fan. So it's like, I should shut what kind of gay anyway, are I, you? You know, sometimes know. I'm just I mean, I like, do like her, but like, you I'm don't not like, like the Kardashians. Um, you don't like Britney. Um, at least Britney had some talent, but, um, mm. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'll pledge to Brittany. Like, I'm not, I'm going to stop judging her, you know? Yeah, and I'm, and I want to make that like, that's something that like is not um, mutually, mutually exclusive to Brittany. It's like something that I, I need to work on. I, you know, I grew up in a household where my, and it was just something that people did. There mm-hmm. was like open judgment about people. And it's funny because I recognize when I'm in my household, when I'm visiting my family, like, I recognize that I, I like hold my, it's, it's more my mom, like, cause my dad doesn't really talk about anything, but like, I'll hold my mom accountable for it. I'm like, why do you care? Like, why are you saying this? Like, well, but then I also catch myself. Doing then we're it. doing it too. I know I'm the right. same way. And, um, so, you know, I have to be better about, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the thing that I wanted to bring up was, I, so I, on my flight, I watched a documentary that's actually five years old, um, and it was based on a book that's 10 years old. It, it's They've got the same title. It's called Far From the Tree. You mentioned um, this last week briefly on the podcast. Yeah. So uh, the film is direct. It's a documentary, and it's directed by Rachel Dretzen, I think is how you'd say her last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the full title of the book is Far From the Tree, Parents, Children, and the Search for Identity. And it's written by Andrew Solomon, who um, is a gay man, um, and he's also featured in the film. And the 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 film just blew my mind because it's basically um, it focuses on the idea that all parents deal with children that become that that are not who they imagined they would be, mm-hmm. um, and that's whether your child is completely healthy um, or not. You know, like every parent has a dream for their kid and then they i think it's really easy for them to forget that like everyone's an individual that's going to come with their own issues and problems and dreams and identity and yeah. all of these things yeah and the the greatest thing that you could do for your child is just to love them for who they are and um you know obviously andrew's andrew's point of writing the book was um you know, he says in the film, he says it's um, almost an apology letter or like a, to his parents, because I think there was a lot of anger um, and he, you know, kept a huge part of himself from them. And in, and in writing this and trying to understand his family, it became a really deep dive just into family. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I just got the book, so I haven't read it. And it, it's like, a lot longer than I was expecting, but, um, and it's, but it's broken down by sort of like different categories. But anyway, in the film, they like 
obviously they focus on parents dealing with having a gay or lesbian kid. There's um, also the story of a family whose teenage son is now in prison for life because one day before school, he waited at a walking path for an eight-year-old and slit the kid's throat. Mm. And it was like, out of nowhere, the parents were like, what are you talking about? And then when they got to the jail, they saw their son kind of sitting there and they just oh knew whatever went down was awful. Um, and then there's also a family that um, is dealing with a child that has autism. Mm. And, um, you know, ultimately it was like he was struggling to communicate. And um, there's this like really incredible moment where um, you know, they they were taking him to all kinds of specialists and he would just act out and hit them. And like, he was nonverbal and he would make noises, but like very frustrated. And yeah. they finally found a specialist who had this, like, it looked like a typewriter, but it, it was literally just like the letters in circles. And he started touching letters and spelling out words. And he said to them, I'm trying and I'm really smart is what he wrote out to them. And the mother like burst into tears. And she said, she says in the interview, she goes, I felt like I was meeting my son for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it became this thing where it was like, um, they, cause it was really frustrating for them too. Like they have this like kid who they think might even just be evil because he can't yeah. communicate and he's just mean to them and acts out all the time. And then suddenly he's able to communicate and talks about his hopes and his dreams and wanting to have a girlfriend and, um, and he gets this computer that he can type on and it speaks for him. And it's so amazing. And it's like just seeing that story of a family that like won't give up, you know, mm. and it's um, and then there's um, they also follow this couple that um, they're both little people. And the thing and this is the one that I told you about when we were talking about what we want to talk about. Yeah. She says um, so she it's it's follow it follows this couple that met online and they end up getting married and she gets pregnant and has a kid. And, um, but she says, you know, it, it really hurts when she hears about doctors that are studying for a cure for her dwarfism, because she's like, I don't feel like I need a cure. I don't feel like I'm broken. And Ugh, isn't it was, that it was such an interesting perspective because it's like, you know, from where I sit in an able body, like perfectly healthy, you know, it seems like a great thing that someone would want to like find a cure for this. So sure. that no one has to like live that plight. But, you know, I think the point that like what resonated with me is the point that we all miss is that if they are happy, their life isn't, you know, like who are we to say that their life is bad mm -hmm. if they've found happiness? Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I sort of do feel like this. I think this even in the beauty world so often lately. Why do we just assume everyone has to be the same or else you're not good? Or it's like, you know, like we put these big, I, I feel it, I feel it a lot lately. Like if you don't look like a Kardashian, you're not beautiful. And it's like, we're all starting to morph into the same fucking human because yeah. for some reason we've developed this mentality that there's one size fits all in this world. And the reason this world is what it is, is because we're all different. So it's like, instead of embracing our differences, we've been trying to kind of all be the same, but now we're all morphing into the same person. Yeah. And like that girl is saying, and she's like, she doesn't feel like anything's broken, but we're sitting here as a society trying to tell her something is wrong with you. Right. Like, so you're not okay. And I mean, I, I see both sides. Like, of course, you know, you want health. And so yeah, like, if you're, sure if you're worried about them struggling, yeah. If you're yeah. worried about people struggling, like it's coming from a good place. Um, but I think it's really important to try and understand without making preconceived notion judgments or whatever, like understand where people are coming from because, um, you know, part of what makes us so beautiful is that we are all so different. Um, you know, I, I think there was a line in the film too, where Andrew said something like, um, you know, kids come along to change their parents. It's so true. I mean, you hear every parent say that though. Right. And, you know, but like most of us are so fearful, especially like I can speak from my own perspective, obviously, but like from being a gay, a a gay kid, it was like, I was worried that I would lose them, you know? Mm. Um, and 
but you know, the truth is, is, you know, when I came out to my dad, he said, I've never loved you more. And because he felt like he knew you. He knew me. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like back to that quote that I read from Jedediah's book. It's just like it, the greatest thing that we can be to the world is our truest self. Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, that means um living my most honest life, but also allowing people to live theirs and without judgment. <laughs> That's a hard one. I mean, it's we a really, here, really hard one. As I'm sitting here and we're like, yeah, let's go empathy and no judgment and whatever. Like it is difficult. I was telling my boyfriend earlier a story about a friend that we just deal with life differently. And I find myself constantly wanting to like poke holes in her theories about stuff. And I was saying to him, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck I think I am. Like she is so entitled to go live her life exactly how she wants to fucking live it. Why? Like you say, why do I care? Like, it's just, I really should want my friends to just be as happy as they possibly can. And if we have differences, we just have differences and that's okay. But I don't need to like, I, I don't know what that need is inside of me to not be able to just like go, okay, good for you. And, just, you know, like, and to have to voice my opinion, like it, I, I don't know. Does that mean, I'm just like, well, really- I, I think it's, I think, I, I, I think what it comes from is, um, and you know, I don't mean this even in a bad way specifically to you. I just mean in general, like, um, we all inherently want to be right <laughs> about yeah. things. And we want to feel like we're like we're on the good side of everything um, because we want to be good people. Most people want to be good people, um, but we all make mistakes and that's fine. Um, and obviously our experiences shape who we are and the way that we feel about things and the way we see the world and all of that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also possible to coexist and not agree on everything and have differences of opinion but be willing to have conversations with people and stretch your mind and see if you're willing to change your opinion. And if you're not, that's cool. As long as like you're kind. (laughs) Well, and Um, the thing, the thing that we were discussing is a situation that I've already been through. And so I think I felt like one of the things I've been saying to myself, and I just kind of struggled with that this weekend, but like one of the things I want to say to myself often is, are they, what are they asking of me here? Like, are they asking for advice or are they just asking me to listen? Like those kind of mentalities. Cause a lot of times I think we offer advice when it really wasn't what anyone was asking for. And this was a situation of that. Like I was offering advice because it's something I've experienced, but that wasn't what was being asked of me. And so it ended up being somewhat of a disagreement. I think I heard her feelings. Like I had to apologize because it was like, Oh, wait, that wasn't why she was telling you that story. She didn't. It's not like she's like, hey, Kelly, what do I do here? You know? Right. So I think those kind of things are just interesting to think about. We're kind of getting off on a little tangent here, but it all does tie into just these old narratives. Like right now, our culture just feels so uh, overrun with opinions and judgment and everyone just needing to say why you're wrong and why I'm right and fighting and blah, blah, blah. And I do feel like there's kind of this movement amongst some of us that are just like, this is exhausting. This has got to stop. And we're missing the bigger picture here. Like we're all connected. We all are humans. And there's usually a bigger story. So let's try to get to a place of understanding each other more. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's like, 
the best place to start is ourselves by shedding the bullshit. Like, yeah, just shed it. Choose to. And I mean, it's obviously it's going to be a process for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. But my example of the guy in the bathroom that I thought was dressed like a douchebag, like I checked uh-huh. myself. I hope he ends up being your bestie. I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's what this month is all about. It's just shedding different narratives. So if you guys are thinking of any as you're listening to this or you have examples, you can always email us at the edge at velvetsedge.com. I highly recommend the Britney book. Uh, it's what is it called? Why am I blanking? I'll put this of me, oh, isn't it? No, it's not piece of me. The woman in me. It's all about her own discovery of finding the woman inside of her. And I don't know. It's it was really empowering, honestly, to listen to. So I'll put the the link of that in the description of this podcast, as well as the documentary that Chip listened to that he keeps referencing as well. Um, I really want to watch that. It sounds amazing. It's really good. I think it's. I think everyone should watch it. Yeah. Well, on that note, (laughs) what'd you say? I said at some point. At some point. I think November is a great time while you're shedding, Mm -hmm. you know, anyway, on that note, you guys, as you go into your weekends and you're living on the edge, I hope you always remember to add casual. We're so mellow today. Okay. We're going to get racy next week. (laughs) (laughs) This is NPR. Oh my God. Okay. We'll switch it up next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bean dad, the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.